Hello, it's Vikas Pota, Chairman of the Vaki Foundation. You are listening to a session from our Global Education and Skills Forum, a place where leading politicians, businesses, philanthropists, activists, and of course, the world's best teachers share, debate, and discover new ways for education to transform our world. Keep the global conversation going and share your thoughts on the topics discussed with the hashtag GESF. Great, let's kick off. Um, it's nice to see you all. I'm um, Andy Wales. I appreciate that I am the la literally the last session on the app before the pretty exciting event tonight. And so I'm going to keep it sharp and tight so you can all um, go and glam yourselves up before the big event. Um, so I've got a pretty simple story. I grew up in um, Birmingham in the UK, a city in the center of the UK, um, in a pretty deprived part of Birmingham, one of the most deprived parts of, of the country. Um, and both of my parents were primary school teachers. And they taught in pretty challenging schools where there were some pretty um, big issues going on around gangs, around drugs, prostitution, all sorts of stuff in the local area. But they were big believers in being part of the community and changing things from being part of a community for the long term. So we lived in that area. I went to another school nearby. Um, and interestingly, both I've got three sisters. Two of my sisters still teach in that area as primary school teachers. So you can see the kind of impact uh, it's had on the family. Um, I wasn't the smartest or the most creative and definitely not the most patient person in the family, so I couldn't make it in teaching, so I went into business. And for me, but the, the kind of ethos of um, doing something that actually drives change in society as part of a community has been very fundamental for me. And for me, you know, I don't know how, much, how many of you engage with multinational companies through the work that you do, but the role of a company should be, I think, in society to, uh, as it seeks to grow and seeks to make money for its shareholders, also seek to tackle the big social problems that, that we face in society and that actually challenge that the company's growth if they're not solved. And so rather than corporate social responsibility on the side of a business giving a bit of money to kind of causes that are nice, I think business needs to fundamentally understand what the big challenges are in society and how it engages in that as part of its own smart growth path. And one of the biggest challenges facing us, and, and um, Habi talked about it from code.org yesterday, is the pace of employment change we're going to see in the world with what's happening with the next wave of tech. And he talked yesterday about the fact that we're looking about a billion jobs in the next 10 to 15 years being fundamentally changed or going because of the really exciting stuff from a tech perspective that's being developed in Silicon Valley and elsewhere around driverless cars and automation, uh, improved manufacturing robotics, and a whole range of things that will actually change employment very fundamentally for quite a big group of people. Now, the company I work with, uh, BT, British Telecom, the oldest telco in the world, has been around for about, well, since about 1846. And so it's seen in that time, you know, fundamental periods of change through industrialization, uh, through urbanization. Um, and had to overcome that in different ways. And now we have about uh, 100,000 people around the world, about 80,000 in the UK, 10,000 in India, the rest dotted around the world in 180 smaller teams. And it's a big challenge supply of skills that we need to be able to innovate, to be able to disrupt, to be able to reset technologies um, for consumers for the future. And in one of our big markets, the UK, the challenge is stark. So about 12 million adults in the UK at the moment don't have the essential digital skills. Can't send an email, can't bank online, can't book a GP's appointment. That's pretty, pretty challenging as, as the pace of the world is moving. And so that means that for businesses in the UK, um, three out of four of them say they have quite a big skills gap. 
And that has a big economic cost attached. It's about 63 billion pounds, the kind of gap of digital skills in UK business at the moment. That's roughly half the annual budget of the health service in the UK. So it's a big loss of value to the economy. And so how is it that we can, businesses working together, start to tackle um, that challenge, the scale of that challenge? And one of the other statistics that always sticks in my mind is from the World Economic Forum, that um, in 2016, a child that starts school in 2016, by the time they get to their first major job, whether they go after school or whether they graduate, 65% of those jobs that they go into don't exist today. So the pace of that change is phenomenally fast and accelerating. I've got two kids, uh, a girl called Karis, who's seven, a boy called Zach, who's five. Zach started school in 2016. So what does that mean for me as a parent, I'm sure many of you are parents, thinking about how we equip our children um, for that pace of change? And so that's where BT started to work in quite an innovative way, I think, in the UK with the Department for Education, with the British Computing Society, and we developed a program called Barefoot, which is around equipping primary school kids, 7 to 11, with computational thinking. We, uh, three, three teachers, primary teachers, were seconded to a, for a year to write it, along with some academic experts. So it's developed by teachers. And so far it's reached, we've trained about 70,000 teachers and we've reached about 2 million children out of about 5 million in, in the UK primary system at any one time. And the challenge for it is around what we call the tech literacy paradox, which is that we've got children growing up with a sense of how to use technology, using technology all the time, but not a particularly good sense as to how it works, why it works, how it can be improved or how it can be replaced or disrupted. And so the computational thinking around that tech literacy paradox is to really get kids to think creatively, to think in a very different adaptable ways to help them engage um, in, in the new world that will coming up. And I'm going to check my notes because I always forget that there's six parts um, to, to the, the program that I'm going to very briefly touch on. So logic in terms of helping you know, predict and analyzing skills, algorithms, so breaking down processes into steps and rules, Decomposition, so breaking down the problem. Patterns, spotting similarities, and using those as you develop the solutions. Abstraction, so removing unnecessary detail. And then evaluation, making judgments at the end as to how well things have gone. And we, we, that program runs while kids are also then taught through, through the process around experimenting, designing, debugging, persevering, and collaborating. And you can download the resources for yourself at barefootcomputing.org. It's all free. Uh, and we're now taking some of our thinking on that into, into BT's work in India. We've just launched uh, with the British Asian Trust. Richard Hawkes, their CEO, is here. Um, a program to work with 100,000 girls, adolescent girls in India in the next three years to also help them build their STEM um, capabilities and knowledge. But one of the things we've learned as we've, um, as we've gone through this is that one of the biggest problems is, isn't actually about um, inskilling children, it's about the confidence of the primary teachers to engage in that conversation and to deliver the curriculum. And so we deliver those workshops through uh, a thousand BT volunteers um, who run about 600 workshops or more a year, and they're after school, in a school environment, helping primary teachers get their heads around tech and this, these particular lessons and the plans. And the thing we always find is there's a significant chunk of people in the room who deep down are actually quite fearful about tech and quite fearful about you know, exposing their own lack of engagement in this. And it's no surprise because if you then look across society, and particularly those 12 million adults that don't have those digital skills, 
It re you know, teachers obviously reflect society. And we did a piece of research with our 30 million, uh, you know, into our 30 million consumer base across the UK last summer, asking them about digital skills, the digital skills gap, the challenge they face with technology, what it means for them as citizens and consumers. And we had three particular insights. And the first was, and it might be quite obvious, is that people don't really use the word digital. And when they do, they talk about tech, but mostly they don't talk about it. And in a policy environment, you know, business leaders, governments, policymakers, we often, you know, we talk about the digital skills gap, we talk about a digital divide. Actually, on the ground, uh, with citizens, that language doesn't mean very much. What they want to do is uh, understand how they can protect their kids online, as Yoon talked about, how they can um, improve their own skills, how they can, you know, get more fun out of life using the things they like to use. So the language we use is a massive problem. And lots of companies, lots of organizations around the world deliver digital skills programs to adults in a way that doesn't really engage, that uses the wrong language. The second is just then the stress, the kind of hidden stress of the pace of tech change. And particularly, it's really hard for working parents. Because working parents uh, have got their kids they're worried about helping them grow up in the right way. They've often got older relatives who they're supporting, who you know, they're struggling to help them deal with you know, booking stuff online or getting their laptop to work. I have a particular challenge with my parents sometimes. Um, everyone's got a story about that. And then, and then they're in their own lives, right? because they're concerned about their own future careers. They're continually hearing in the media people just like I have, talking about AI and robotics and the challenge of their jobs in the future. And then third is the mindset. So there are two dominant mindsets, certainly in the UK conversation about tech. One is the West Coast billionaire, who is brilliant, and lucky, and white, and usually male. And then second, there's the concept, if you're, in a, if you're in your work environment, of something goes wrong with your tech, and what do you do? You call the IT guy, and almost always a guy. And so you've got these two dominant mindsets, the kind of billionaire success, almost you know, totally unachievable for me, a normal person. And then you know, I've got a problem, uh, what do I do? I call the IT guy. And we need to totally reframe that thinking to be much more on the incremental steps that people themselves can take to improve their own digital skills. And so BT is going to be doing that in the UK with that big consumer base, helping think through and work with other partners, with Google and others that we already work with, to really equip um, people as citizens to engage much more with what they want to get out of life through digital. But it needs to be part of a much bigger global movement, and that's where it's fantastic for me following Yoyan on the stage, because we, uh, we think DQ is a strong framework, and we're looking at how we might use that uh, as, as we build this global movement to understand the digital skills gap and how we can best respond. Thank you. I've been short because I want to give you time to um, get ready. I'm told it's competitive for seats at the thing tonight, but first question. Hi, my name is Jason uh, Gonzalez. I'm from Chicago. I run a skills accelerator there called Mind and Hand. And talking about um, digital skills upskilling for adults, the problem you're saying is there's no engagement. H how do we solve that? And, and what are some ways that we can engage a more adult population to, to upskill them? Yeah, we're thinking through that at the moment. So one of the, one of the big mistakes is to try and do this on your own, right? So BT is a big consumer brand, biggest consumer kind of company in the UK, trying to do it on our own. What's much more important is to bring actually a set of companies, governments and others together to tackle that 
with one big campaign. So that's what we're looking at at the moment. The inevitability of that when you bring a lot of partners together is it takes slightly longer, as you'll know. So, um, so I think, but I think it's about in probably one of, one of four things. It's about finding the passion points in people's lives. So really understanding what is it that would actually make me want to go and do this thing. It's about making the next step incremental and straightforward and very easy to do. You know, 20 minutes out of my day doing it in a very easy way. Um, it's about think, helping it be about personal relationships. When you do hear stories of people making tech work, it's really interesting how frequently it's about a relationship between family and friends. You know, I helped my grandparent do this, or I helped my mother do this, or, you know, it's, it's often about a kind of a real-life social relationship that solved a tech problem. And so I think we need to, there's a lot of opportunity in thinking about how re real relationships can feed into that. Um, and then I think it's about, you know, removing obstacles, making it as easy as we can. And so um, we're not great in the, in the tech and telco industry about talking about these things in very straightforward ways. We give them awful acronyms that take people a long time to understand. And we need to change that and be much more accessible. What, what is your experience? Well, we're relatively new. We're, we're two years old and we're, we're still exploring too. But these are all great points. And I think the relationship piece, so since we, we have a physical component to what we do, we, we build these lean centers and we're looking to build them around the world where we can actually train for digital skills in a, in a lean environment that's cost effective, flexible, and fun. So um, th these are helpful points. Okay, great. There was a question just at the back. I'm Dr. Duttenberg-Doyle from White Fetication and I'm a psychologist. And I always think it would be really helpful to test all your new stuff on dyslexic people because they are really the people who find it hardest and they are the ones who make most mistakes. And um, I think they are the ones who should test your stuff before you put it out online. I'll join that team too. Okay, no, that's fair enough. Um, no, I think that's a good point. I mean, we have... Um, we don't talk about much, but we actually have dedicated customer services teams who deal with different types of vulnerable customers. So we have a customer services team that deals with people who have Alzheimer's. We've got... Um, no, no. No, no, I know, but what I'm trying to say... No, no, of course not. But what I'm trying to say... No, so I'm, I'm agreeing with your point and saying we need to do that, and then saying that I think it's absolutely critical that, that custom companies that serve the public in that way address people with different learning challenges, vulnerabilities, or different ways of engaging with the world. And we do, do some of that, and we will do more. Yeah. Uh, hi, good afternoon. I'm Alonso Mujica from Peru. Um, I, I would like to ask you if, if you have any kind of study or research about um, how, what's the major benefit that uh, teachers get out of like, in, in engaging in learning computer science or becoming the, the CS ambassador in their schools. Because in my experience, in both Peru and Chile, uh, one of the major obstacles has been teachers because um, when we try to implement like a computer science or coding challenge or program in the school, uh, they see us as an enemy or that we are robots that are gonna take away their jobs. So um, if we actually get them engaged because it's interesting, um, I think the re results are, are much better. But uh, in your experience, wh wh what are these like key selling points for the teachers? Yeah. So the, the biggest challenge is often confidence that we have to overcome, right? Um, I, th I guess two or three things make, I think make it work. One is that, it, you know, and it's obvious, right, but um, writing material like this for computer science that also then all the material obviously assess with, 
helps with other parts of the curriculum. So all of the exercises that they take their children through obviously have a, you know, their literacy focus or a mathematics focus or something else. So it's something that supports the parts of the curriculum that they are assessed on, ultimately. Um, it's partly about making it much more fun. So part of the whole, the whole workshop theme is about really making it much more fun for teachers such that they can then convey that to their kids. Um, and I'm, it's less about the, I think what really gets to people is that it's less about the technology itself. They expect to be you know, bombarded with stuff about technology in the workshop, but it's not about the technology, although that's around and there. It's about helping kids reframe their mindsets and build the analytical skills to, to think about how they'll be successful, creative, different, in a very fast-changing world. And once parents, once teachers, sorry, um, understand that, that it's not just about use this tech, please, it's actually about a fundamental way of, you know, different, differently engaging kids, then they're much, very positive. There's a question at the back. Hi, I'm Helena Posniak from the UK. I just wondered what you'd learn from trying to engage children. You say you'd reached two million children possibly in the UK. What, what you'd learn from how they interacted with it? Well, th through, the, through the teachers. So, so it's about training teachers to then, with, with our support of the community that we built, to then engage with the kids. So, I mean, we've, we've got the feedback from the teachers, which is that about 98% of them said it actually really helped them deliver the computing curriculum. About 82%, I think, said it helped build a broader range of skills, such as collaboration, kids engaging in collaboration with their, with their peers. Um, we've got some further research I can share, um, but we, we don't work with the kids directly, we work with the teachers, and they then uh, engage with the children. Any final questions? Everyone wants to party. In which case, have a fantastic evening. Thank you.